scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginnings of the birth pains. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Joe. This past week, Corey wasn't feeling well, and so we cuddled up on the couch and we watched one of her favorite movies, Frozen 2. Olaf is my favorite in Frozen. And towards the beginning of Frozen 2, there is a scene where he is lying in a garden. As the leaves begin to change and they fall around him, and Anna comes and asks how he's doing. And he responds, I'm just living the dream, Anna. Oh, how I wish this could last forever. And yet change mocks us with her beauty. And then he says, forgive me. Maturity has made me poetic. Tell me, Anna, you're older and thus all-knowing. Do you ever worry about the notion that nothing is permanent? And Anna breaks into song because it's Disney. And she sings, yes, the wind blows a little colder and we're all getting older and the clouds are moving on with every autumn breeze. Peter Pumpkin just became fertilizer, and my leaf's a little sadder and wiser. That's why I rely on certain certainties. Yes, some things never change, she says, like the feel of your hand and mind. Some things stay the same, like how we get along just fine. Like an old stone wall that'll never fall, some things are always true. And at that line, I just started laughing. And I, said, and I thought to myself, hold on, Anna. Jesus would disagree with you on that line. In today's scripture, Jesus and his disciples, they're leaving the temple in Jerusalem. And one of his disciples says to Jesus, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. The temple was 
huge, larger than anything most of them had ever seen. King Herod had rebuilt the temple area into this massive and magnificent structure. The courtyard alone was 400 yards wide and about 500 yards long. Four football fields by five football fields. That is gigantic. And it's all sitting on this massive platform that had to be created because it was on a mount, on a hill. And so there's this enormous retaining wall with these massive stones. And part of that wall is about 200 feet above the valley. That's how tall they build this retaining wall. And then on top of that platform is not only the temple, but also porticos and courts flanked with these beautiful colonnades. It was an architectural wonder that dominated the ancient city of Jerusalem. And so it's not surprising that the disciples were in awe of what they were seeing and what it also represented. They were wowed by this apparent permanence and strength of the temple, of the religion, and of the, the society that built it. And so it reminds us that we love bold. We love big, we love better. We are attracted to the splendor and the grandeur. The bigger the, is the better. The most influential, the most powerful, the more anything. And we think, if we build it big enough or good enough, then it will be permanent. It'll last. And we can have something that we depend on. Because like Olaf, and like the disciples, we don't like change. We seek and yearn for something that is permanent, especially with all of the constant change that has consumed our lives in the past year and a half. So we search for those things that are permanent. The disciples, they see this gigantic temple, these huge stones, and they see surely this is permanent. We search for things that are permanent in a house or in money or health or beauty. Or when those things fail us, government. Thinking if we just get our people in leadership, then they can keep us safe. They can make the world that is good and we won't have to worry anymore. Things will be permanent. We want something we can depend on. Something we can put our faith in. So when Jesus responds to the disciples, he's essentially calling out this part of our humanness, this human condition. Jesus looks at the enormous stone, the magnificent architecture and design, the symbol of power, of state and religion that is the temple, and he scoffs at it. He says, do you see these buildings? They won't last. They'll be gone before you know it. Dust, crumbles, rubble. And he doesn't do it in this. It sounds very fatalistic. Well, nothing matters, so let us give up. But that's not the way that he says it. 
He says it to remind them that they shouldn't get caught up in those things that they see. He's trying to help them get a bigger, a proper perspective. And then later, when the shock had worn off and they're alone together with Jesus on the Mount of Olives, a few of the disciples, they approach Jesus and they ask, well, when is this going to happen? When do we need to be ready? And in Jesus' response, he basically says, pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on around you and what's coming down the road. Not in fear, because that's where this, this yearning for permanence in this world, that's where it's rooted is in fear. But Jesus says, don't live in fear. Live in faith. Be ready. These things are going to happen. It might seem like the end of everything we know. It might seem like the collapse of civilization as we know it. It might seem like everything that is good and right is being overthrown. But, says Jesus, that's when things are just getting started. When they're just beginning. And again, he doesn't do this to scare the disciples but he knows our human tendency, the tendency to get caught up in what we see, seeing all of the fear and the terror around us. As Jeff read this scripture, in some ways it sounds like the world right now, but we need to look beyond. Jesus says and tells the disciples and us here in this scripture Look beyond the current situation. It's going to be scary. It's going to be overwhelming, but this is not all that there is. Don't ignore what you see. Don't become blind to the realities of the world at, that we have right now. But know that there is this kingdom that is coming, but is not yet here. The potential of what that could look like, that's what we are to be in awe of. Not in the grandness of buildings or anything that we can build with our own hands and minds. But the potential of God's kingdom here in this world. Towards the end of the movie, Frozen 2, there's this very emotional moment. And I won't tell you what happens in that moment because it'll just make you so sad. But in that moment, Olaf says, hey, Anna, I just thought of something that's permanent. Love. And you just think, oh, Olaf, you're so wise for a snowman. Now, Olaf, of course, is talking about human love. And we know that sometimes human love can wane. But for me, when I hear that, I'm reminded that God is love. God is permanent. And in that simple statement, I know that things are going to be okay. If God is permanent, God is steady, God is the solid rock foundation, then we're good. God has this vision for all of creation. And while I wish that God would give us a little idea of what that looked like, God has it in God's own mind. God has promised us God's kingdom here on earth 
as it is in heaven. It's not ours to fight for this permanence that we can see. It is ours to hold on to the hope that is indeed in God. That is God, God's love for us and the truth and the promise that God does have the whole world in God's hands. Thanks be to God. Amen. And as we move into communion, this is the recognition that we can trust God, that anything that comes from God is good. And this reminder of God's love for us, no matter what. Because sometimes we think that if we don't do it just right, then maybe that promise isn't for us. But I pray that you know that that's not true. That this promise that a piece of bread and some, some Welch's grape juice, that this promise that is here, this is God's good promise. This is a permanent promise that we can hold on to. When God gave himself for us, that night before he took the bread from his table, and it was ordinary, and he gave thanks to God, and then he broke it, and he told his disciples, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, it was an ordinary cup. And he gave thanks to God. And then he told his disciples, this is the blood of my new covenant given for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. When you drink of this, remember me and know that I am with you. Most holy God, pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ one with the whole world so that your kingdom truly can come on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Beloved Lord, we know that we are your hands and your feet in this world. We know that one way that you work for peace, that you work to bring your kingdom, is through us. We pray that as we receive your grace, that with it we receive your power.
power and your hope that we might share it with the world and we might bring just a little bit of your kingdom here in our midst. We pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Now, as we go into our closing song, I, stand, I invite you to stand and sing as you are able. As we leave here, the, our hope and our desire is that you will take God with you into the world, living into what we have been talking about today. And so as we go, I want to remind you of a few ways that you can take God with you and that you can help bring God's kingdom here in this world. Next week, we on the Sunday is our Pearl Road dinner and we are hosting that and so we need lots of hands. And so you can talk to Miss Leslie, who is right here in person, or you can call the office. And also, it is our, it's double money week, I don't remember what it's called, double points week, for our, um, for the recycling. So you can bring in recycling, and we get double the funds for hunger. And then next week is also our hanging of the greens, which is a way that we prepare this home for Christmas. And so as we are leaving, the last thing I want to mention is to invite you to share a word, something that um, helps you to describe this service on the whiteboard out there or online in the comments. We're um, needing a name for our services, and we don't want to just stick with traditional and contemporary, but what is the feeling that we sense from these things? 
And so I invite you to share on the board or um, you can also contact us in other ways. So as we go from this place, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go in peace and not in pieces. Amen. Amen.